Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to It's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to continue on with part two of the Melanie Gibb interview that we saw with Nate Eaton on East Idaho News. You can see the link to part one in the description below, but today I'm going to dive a little bit deeper than I did in part one and start to dig in deeper to some of her statements. I feel like part two gave a lot of more meat and potatoes than it did in the first one. But before we get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below and click that notification bell. Make sure to click it to all so that you can be notified of all my uploads and live streams. Give it a like if you do support this video and please share this where you can. Now, let's get into it. So Nate opens up right away in part two with Lori moving to Rexburg in September 2019. And here's what I find interesting, because we haven't heard this part before. Melanie says that Lori actually thought Chad was going to move to Arizona and be with her there. But really, that would be an obstacle for Chad, right? Because, well, he's still married to Tammy, and how are you going to explain that one? So Lori ends up telling Melanie that she changed her plans and thinks she should actually go to Idaho. And Chad also tells Lori that she's supposed to be in Idaho conveniently. Of course he did. Melanie also goes on to say that Lori needed her own answer to this and that she didn't want to go down there at first. She was told yes to go to Idaho by the higher powers that be on the other side of the veil and that she needed to be there by a certain time. She also told Melanie that Melanie needed to go to Idaho too. So my question right away is, wait a minute, Melanie needed to go to Idaho? For what? And remember in the other Melanie's interview, Lori's niece, where Melanie talked about her aunt saying, hey, you gotta come down to Idaho, come check it out. But I would like to know more about why Lori said she needed Melanie to come down to Idaho. Now, Nate asks Melanie, so at the time you're seeing each other right away? And Melanie was quite adamant and she said, no, no, not every day. She said that it started to slow down and taper off after Charles died. And I think when Melanie was answering this question, she may have felt a little more uncomfortable. She started touching her neck and scratching her nose and it just looks like that maybe she was uncomfortable. If you did see this, let me know in the comments below what you think. She also mentioned that it was hard to see Lori because Lori was in Hawaii and she was in Texas. And we do know that Lori was in Hawaii when she took off on her 58-day hiatus. But 
this is the first that I've heard of Texas. Did you hear that she was in Texas? Let me know in the comments below. And what is she doing in Texas? And when? Because that day that Charles died on July 11th, 2019, he was visiting from Texas and was staying at a hotel and he even had a rental car. He came to pick up JJ. And I do wonder what Texas is all about. I wonder if she went down there right after Charles died. And back to Melanie where she was describing that communication lesson. We heard this pretty much from everybody that surrounded Lori. It got less and less. Colby said that, now Melanie said that. Pretty much anybody around her said, you know, communication kind of dwindled when Lori went to Rexburg. And I do wonder what Chad said to her about communicating with others. Was he telling her things about it or controlling who she talked to? What did Chad have to say? Now, Nate talks again about Chad telling her that she has to go to Idaho where Tammy is. And Melanie said that Lori was uncomfortable about it, but she believed that Tammy would pass away in a car accident before she moved to Rexburg, but that didn't happen. And Melanie also talked to Lori about it and asked, aren't you going to be uncomfortable? Maybe she'll see you guys together. And Melanie said, I thought it was different when she was going to be up there when Tammy was still alive. And Melanie actually uses the word different a lot and also unusual throughout the three parts so far that we've seen. Not good, not bad, just different or unusual. And from what Melanie said, she said that Lori felt that she still had to go even though Tammy didn't die and that someone from the other side of the veil said she needed to be there by this date. But I do wish Nate asked, what date was that? Then Nate mentions when Lori was in Rexburg, she and Chad would walk around the track at BYU-Idaho holding hands and perhaps kissing, looking like a married couple. Melanie talked about having the opportunity to walk around with them at BYU and even asked, aren't you worried that people are going to see you? And Lori explained to Melanie that Tammy doesn't come out a lot. She doesn't really come to this part of Rexburg. And Melanie said that a lot of people that knew Chad didn't know what Tammy looks like because they didn't do a lot of things together. Well, no, because Chad's too busy boinking Lori. Melanie then goes on to describe Chad and she said that usually Chad would let Lori do most of the talking and she described Chad as reserved and sometimes that he came across not very confident. And then Nate asks, did you stay with Lori when you went there? And were the kids there? And Melanie said, JG was there, but Tylee wasn't. And that she was told that Tylee was at BYU in Idaho. And Nate asked if that would have been a normal answer, like would that make sense? And Melanie says, I knew Tylee had her GED when she got it when she was around 16 or 17 years old. Not sure the exact age, she said. So it could have been plausible, but it didn't feel like it. And this is what was important. She said, there was definite question marks. It was question marks for me. It didn't feel real. It didn't feel like the truth. I didn't know what to say about it. I wouldn't assume that she did something to her. I don't know. It was unusual. I didn't question it. And I probably would agree with her at this point. She just thought, okay, Tylee's gone to BYU. Awesome. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. 
The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams. And come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. But in the police body cam footage of Lori and Tylee and Melanie Gibb, who was there, Lori mentioned about Tylee getting her GED and Tylee talked about some future plans. So I could see this being not really a weird thing yet. And the police determined that Tylee wasn't registered in BYU, Idaho. And Lori kept her lies fairly consistent because she told her neighbor, Seth, that Tylee was attending BYU and she told the nanny that Tylee was attending BYU. One of the things I did find interesting because BYU pops up everywhere when it comes to Lori and the whole clan, let's say. Lori's niece, Melanie Pulowski or Melanie Boudreau, we both know her as, said on her U-Haul application, she mentioned that she was moving to BYU Idaho student housing. So I don't know what that means, why she would write that on there, but if you know the answer, let me know in the comments below. We'll have a little chit chat. So Nate goes on to ask, did JJ go on the walks with you? And Melanie says, no. Mm -mm. And where was he? And Melanie says he was with Uncle Alex and no sign of Tylee. And Nate says, well, how long did you stay with Lori? And Melanie says Thursday to a Monday morning. Now, I could swear that this is the same answer, the Thursday to Monday, that Melanie Pulowski or Melanie Boudreaux gave. I'm searching for that. So if you remember where that was, it was one of her interviews. I'm pretty sure she said Thursday to Monday. I do have something that says she was away for the weekend, but I, I thought there was something else there. Um, but I do know that she went down to Idaho to visit Lori on a weekend. And I'm wondering if... Melanie and Melanie, the two Melanies, went down together. Because in part one, Melanie Gibb talked about how much she loved Melanie P, how much they were a good support to each other and that kind of thing. So I wish Nate asked her, did you go down by yourself? And when I look at the calendar in September, here's what I found from Thursday to Monday. The possibilities is September 5th to the 9th, the 12th to the 16th, the 19th to the 23rd, and 26th to the 29th. Now we do know that Melanie Gibb couldn't have gone down on September 26th to the 29th based on what she's saying because JJ was last seen on September 23rd. So he would have been missing at that point if she went from the 26th to the 29th. And Tylee was last seen on September 8th in Yellowstone. So if what Melanie Gibb is saying is true, she would have gone down potentially on September 12th to the 16th or 19th to the 23rd. Why didn't Nate ask 
what date that was. So Melanie said that Lori didn't even bring up Tylee that weekend, but of course she did speak about JJ because JJ was there, from what Melanie says. And she said, yeah, he was all around us, and we were talking about him quite a bit, actually. As I arrived on Thursday, she said he turned into a zombie the day before I got there. So that would be either September 11th that he turned into a zombie or September 18th. And then she goes on to say, and she was pointing out behaviors of him. Look how he's doing this. It's unusual. Look how he's doing that. She was trying to create uncertainty in me about what I saw in his behavior. Doubt. I was looking at him and I thought, well, I don't know. He looks like JJ to me. Hyper and angry in one minute and then kind of chill or crying the next minute. That's how his behaviors were always around me. I don't know if they were always like that, but that's how I noticed him when I was around them. She just gave me a few scenarios of different things that he would say that sounded a little unusual. I didn't hear him say it, but she would share it and say like he said this or he said that. I wish again, Nate, what things did she say that he said? Or what type of things? And I want to mention two things. Number one are the dates. Once I started looking at this statement, I'm leaning towards Melanie being in Idaho on the 19th to the 23rd, that Thursday to the Monday, because JJ's last day of school was on Monday the 23rd, according to his school. And I do wonder what time of day did Melanie Gibb go back home? Did she spend the day with Lori while JJ was in school on that Monday the 23rd? Or did she leave right away that morning? Something that I feel I'd like to know. And JJ would go missing the day after or perhaps later that evening on Monday. So what else did Lori tell her that weekend? Now, I have another little info snack about September 23rd, but I'll be reserving that for another video. It has to do with Chad, because it's something that I'm diving deeper in, and sorry for the cliffhanger. Now, the other thing I want to mention was, was Lori looking for validation from Melanie? Because she was pointing every little thing about JJ. You know, see, look what he's doing. See, this is what he's doing. Look how unusual that is, right? And was she trying to get Melanie to validate her thoughts that, yep, JJ looks like a zombie so that she can continue forward? Or, you know, tell me that I'm right, Melanie. Look at what, this is what Chad's doing. This is what Chad's saying. This is what I'm seeing. Tell me I'm right. It could very well be that was the conversation. What do you think? And then Nate said, had she talked about zombies before, what did she teach you about zombies? And Melanie says, the first person is Charles, as we know, that was considered one. That was brought to Lori's attention by Chad on the phone. Also, there was an email, if you remember. She said, he said Charles was no longer Charles. This unclaimed spirit that was friends with Charles on the earth when they used to be friends had now passed on and now he's an unclaimed spirit and attached to Charles. So he's not really Charles. He's really this guy, Ned Schneider. Now this is interesting, of course, in so many ways, but there are actually two different names mentioned. There's a Nick Schneider and a Ned Schneider. On Charles's body cam footage, and you can see that video right here, He mentioned that Lori called him Nick Schneider, but Melanie is calling him Ned Schneider. So I'm curious 
which one was which or was it interchangeable? Because anything's possible at this point. So Melanie said that Lori seemed blown out by the thought of zombies. She said that Lori said, well, this is really different. And Melanie also said, well, this is very unusual. Again, unusual. But Melanie also said that it's just the first day that Lori thought it as odd. And I guess she embraced it after that. Um, she said Lori even felt uncomfortable on the first day that she was trying to absorb it. She says, Chad had his influence on people because he had visionary experience. You know he could see things, at least he portrays that he did. I do believe that when you think somebody can see things or have visionary experience about things, you tend to believe him more than the average person because you know if you ask me, I would say, I don't see anything. She said she didn't know how he got his information other than he would often sit in his portal and receive revelations about people. She said she wasn't sure that they called it zombie in the beginning. So Nate talks about Charles and says, you know, okay, Charles is worried and goes before the court and gets a psych evaluation. Melanie talks about, yeah, I went to the evaluation with Lori and she said that Lori passed with flying colors or Lori told Melanie that she passed with flying colors. But here's another interesting little tidbit. Melanie said the incident with her purse was shortly after going to the psych evaluation, but the body cam footage says something different. Lori and Melanie Gibb and Tylee were at the police station reporting Charles taking the purse, and they were talking about going to Community Bridges and her having to go. And Lori actually brought it a couple times, like, I don't get it. How come he can do this? And how do they do that? And can they go in the middle of the night and get this? And blah, blah, blah. So there's a discrepancy right here because a purse happened first, then they went to the police station, and then Lori had to go for the psych evaluation. So I'm not sure if Melanie just forgot or what the case is. And then Nate says, well, there's a lot of bizarre incidences. Did you ever think what's going on here? How can there be this much drama? And Melanie actually closes her eyes and does one of this. Like, you could tell she just kind of like, oh, God, here it comes, you know. She says, it was a lot of drama. I've never been around so much drama in my life. I'm kind of a chill person. And so it just seemed like there was one drama after another drama and it never ended. And she says, I used to say to her, why is everybody in your life turning into zombies? Why is everybody after you? I don't understand. Now, I'd like to know who everybody is. Because really, um, well, there was Charles and there was Kay that she thought was zombies and now JJ. So I guess that's everybody. I wonder who else she mentioned. That would be important. I wish Nate would ask that again. <laughs> so Nate, do another interview and ask, who all did Lori say were zombies? And then Lori ends up saying why there's so much drama that, well, it's really because Satan really hates me and because of my exaltation and the level I'm exalted to, they are coming straight after me. No, honey, it's because what you put out, you're getting back. So Nate says, well, so anybody that would disagree with her or cause her any sort of problem would become a zombie? And Melly says, yeah, pretty much or either considered to be dark, they're a little bit different, but that's another discussion, and she kind of giggles, and Nate says, yeah. And then Nate starts talking about how Lori knew how many zombies were in every state, and she could tell who was a zombie and who wasn't. And Chad would give her a number, and they would receive a revelation, 
and that there was this many zombies and that many and so it was her commission that they would get rid of the zombies before tribulations come upon us this is what melanie says and then nate says well how would they get rid of zombies and she says through some sort of prayer they would get rid of zombies so here's where i start to think well wait a minute through some sort of prayer mm, maybe melanie believed that but at this point, Melanie also knew that Charles was a zombie and he died, unless she's not putting two and two together at that point when she was learning about this. But I don't think a prayer killed Charles. So she then says, well, does that make sense, Nate? And this was so classic. I loved it. You could see Nate's face. I'll put a little screenshot here because it was hilarious. He just was like, oh makes sense right he's <laughs> thinking all these months i'm dealing with this no it doesn't make sense even now <laughs> so he says let me get this straight they're saying there's ten thousand zombies in idaho they go into the portal and say the prayer and then say we got rid of a thousand of them it's just ridiculous anyways then they go back to talking about Charles and how Lori received a revelation that Charles was supposed to die in an accident on his way home from Texas, which is interesting because that's also what they said about Tammy having to have an accident. And I wonder that's also like how Brandon was having an accident in his vehicle, only luckily he didn't die. And so Nate says, well, he didn't die, so what was Lori's reaction? And Melanie says, well, I asked her that, why he didn't die. You were told that he was supposed to die and why he didn't die. And Lori went to Chad to ask because she didn't know the answer. And then Melanie says, well, with Chad, when things don't go according as planned, he says it was only because of agency it would change. Like, oh, it was because somebody changed their agency. So very inconsistent. Then they went back to talking about Alex. And Melanie said Lori called Alex the night before to come and stay with me and then the next day. And then the next day, Alex shot Charles. And Nate says, well, what do you think happened? And she says, well, I didn't even get a call till four days later after Charles died. And Lori says, well, hey, did you watch the news? And Melanie says, well, no, I don't watch the news. And they talked about Charles getting shot. And Melanie said she got the same rendition from what it looks like on the news that Melanie got. And Lori lied to a lot of people. She was saying he committed suicide. Alex said he got shot in self-defense. I mean, there's all these stories, right? Then she's seen smiling on camera after her husband of 13 years. I mean, Nick Schneider or Ned Schneider or whoever she thought he is. She does say that Lori was telling him that Charles was going to kill her and that's why he came for her and that's why. Alex shot him. And as to the reason why, Lori told Melanie, they're after me for insurance. I have $3 million of insurance on my head. And what I find interesting is how Lori projects these situations. She accuses Charles of cheating when she's the one who's cheating. And she tells Melanie that people are after her because of insurance money, but she's the one, in fact, after the insurance money. So it kind of looks like Lori's giving away more than what we thought. I thought she was more secretive, but it's looking like she's more telling than we thought. Even starting to look a little bit like, well, let's just say Letitia-esque. Where's Eduardo, Lori? 
When does he come into play? And so Nate says, well, did you ever talk to Lori about Charles insurance? And Melanie says, she said that he had, I think about a million and that she knew when he passes away that she thought that she would get the money. I don't know if she was 100% sure because it could be possible that it would be switched from her to Kay. Well, Lori wasn't sure if it was going to Kay or not because Lori actually was sneaky and changed the password on Charles's insurance um, account and Charles had to email the insurance company and say hey something's going on somebody's changing my passwords like this is not me so why Lori is saying that she's not sure if it was switched to K because Charles found out more of her shenanigans and the games she was playing and Melanie P if you're watching tell me now that your aunt Lori doesn't play games Melanie goes on to talk about how Lori wasn't overjoyed about it going to K and she also said that Lori believed that Kay was a zombie as well. Well, I guess because she crossed her. So at least Kay is alive now because apparently when you turn into a zombie, you get killed. But Melanie did go on to say that she knew she would get something from Charles's death. And Nate says, well, yeah, we figured out it's about $6,000 a month tax-free. And Melanie says, yeah, that sounds about the number I heard. She did say that Alex believed the zombie theory or zombie belief. She said, I sat and talked to Alex about that a few weeks before he passed away. I'm not sure about this zombie thing. And Alex said, I 100% believed it. So Alex really did believe, she said. And Nate says, well, do you think that when he shot Charles that he thought Charles was a zombie? She says, yep. He really felt to protect his sister and that was his duty. So this is all starting to come together. When Alex first joined all these discussions with the group, he didn't know much about these teachings from what Melanie said or about zombies. Then he came to know more about these beliefs and was told about the zombies as he did the rest of these teachings and he started believing it. And so here he is going over to the house and taking care of the zombie. So that confirms my theory as well, in my opinion, that he most likely did not perform CPR on Charles like I mentioned in one of my previous videos. Why resuscitate a zombie? In his mind, Charles is exactly where he needs to be. So then they go back to talking about JJ being a zombie and she says, I'm looking at JJ and trying to discern. It looks normal to me. I couldn't tell. There was a lot of doubt there, obviously. It, it's hard to believe that completely. I don't ever even believe that Lori completely believed it, except it looks like she did. I think she believed it to a certain level, but I'm not confident she 100% believed it. Melanie does talk about this over and over about I'm I'm thinking that Lori wasn't a hundred percent. She does mention this quite a bit, I'm noticing. Then Lori would say Chad's so much better at getting revelations than Lori, and that she used to get a lot, but she relies on him a lot more. She wasn't considered a visionary, so Chad would tell her these people are doing this or that or dark or zombie. And Nate says, well, do you think Chad told her that JJ became a zombie? And she says, I think so, yeah. If we take these little morsels of what is being said by Melanie, it's consistent with what's being said from everyone else. Chad did the documents of zombies and ratings. Chad told Lori they've been married five times before. 
Chad told Lori that Charles is a zombie. Chad most likely told Lori that JJ became a zombie. Chad told Lori to come to Idaho. Chad, 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 Chad. And where's Chad? Going to Disneyland, going on Hawaiian trips, getting married, hula dancing, and playing the ukulele. This is absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. Nate says, well, did it worry you at all that, oh no, look what happened when Charles became a zombie, something might happen to JJ. And she says, I didn't think she would do that because that's her boy. Except, side note, Lori was actually telling the neighbors that JJ was her niece's drug baby. And Melanie says, well, Lori said something like, it's time for JJ. He's in the way of our mission, so we need to send him to Kay's house. They talked about Kay and family members and who could take JJ. And Melanie said she left after that weekend thinking that JJ's going to Kay's. Then this is where, for her, it gets tough. She says, this is where there's a big turn in my life. This is when it hits the fan. This is the part I hate talking about. She actually closes her eyes and, and she says, this is hard for me. She did express that JJ is at Kay's. She said, oh yeah, we met them at the airport and she received them. Lori apparently gave this whole story and Melanie believed it. And Melanie says, at Thanksgiving, everything changed. She thought JJ was safe. And then Melanie says, I get a call from Chad two days before Thanksgiving. I still feel emotional about it. Melanie, it's Chad. When the police call, don't pick up the phone. And she says, and my heart just dropped. I was so confused. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, the police are at Lori's house checking on JJ. JJ is not with Kay, she says. No. She says, and my heart dropped deeper. And I just knew something was wrong, but I didn't know. I didn't understand. When you believe your friends are good people, you couldn't believe they could do something like that. Like what? And I would have loved to have asked her, did you ask Chad? Well, if JJ's not with Kay, then who is he with? Or where is he? I, I wonder if Melanie was actually afraid to ask Chad that and didn't want to rock the boat or something. Or did she ask and she's not saying on this interview? And Nate says, well, what was his behavior like? Was he very stoic? She says, no, he was very nervous. He was very scared. He did not sound himself very unsure, very quivery almost. It was a hard moment. Chad then continues and says, and she's going to tell the cops that JJ is with you. Melanie says, I can't even describe how I felt. She closes her eyes again. And she says, they put me in a very awkward situation. I was questioned in my mind, but verbally nothing coming out really. Lori says, well, Kay is trying to kidnap him. And Melanie says, well, how do you know that? She says, well, there's emails. And Melanie says, well, I haven't read your emails. What did they say? And she said, Kay had mentioned, it's not like I'm going to kidnap JJ or anything. And Melanie thought to herself, well, that doesn't sound like a threat. So Lori's making it up in her own mind, justifying why another child is missing. And then Nate talks about, well, how soon after did Lori call after this call with Chad? And she says, can't recall, but soon after. She sounded like everything was wonderful and great, upbeat voice. She thought, wow, she's so positive. Says, I gave hope that maybe I was thinking the worst. So now let's do a little deep dive into this part. Because I gotta say this, 
Chad calls Melanie the same day that the welfare check happened, which is November 26th, two days before Thanksgiving, which was Thursday, November 28th. Now, Melanie Boudreau, Lori's niece, decides last minute to go spend time with Ian for Thanksgiving out of town. Lori and Chad take off the next day on November 27th, and Alex takes off as well. By the 29th and the 30th, Ian is married to Melanie after 10 days of dating. Lori and Chad were already married, but Chad goes to Disneyland with his kids. And I'm betting it's last minute. And Alex and Zulema have what looks like a last minute marriage as well. And it was described as a very business-like eight minute marriage. It's been said, and I heard chatter, that Lori wasn't there in Disneyland with Chad, but Vegas is on the way to Los Angeles, and I'm betting Lori may have even poked her head at the weddings and no one's saying anything in Vegas. And then they went to Disneyland. Or Lori hid out in a hotel. We don't know yet. Stay tuned for that. And Lori and Chad flew out from Los Angeles on December 1st to Hawaii, so there's that. And really, Chad is freaking out and thinking, I not only need to get myself out of here, I need to get my kids out of here. Hey kids, I got an idea, let's all go to Disneyland. Cause you know the money that I got from your dead mother? You know, the insurance money I upped right before she died? Yeah, the 430,000? Let's go to Disneyland. Perfect timing. Everybody's out of town, but that's coincidence. Melanie goes on to say her gut says for a long time that something's not right. She says, I really wanted to believe Lori, but something was just off. She says again, I didn't want to think she wouldn't do anything like that. Like what? Then Lori changes her story because now the cops are going to check in and see if JJ's with Kay and Kay's like, no, I'm the one who did the welfare check. So now she has to change her story. So she calls up Melanie and asks to say, hey, you know what? Just say that JJ's with you in Arizona. And Alex talked to Melanie says, well, I can't believe Lori just threw you under the bus like that. And of course, Melanie says, well, yeah, I didn't think she would do that either. Then Nate says, well, tell me about what she asked you to do at the movie theater. So Melanie describes what Lori was saying to her and says, I told the police that you are at Frozen 2 with JJ and to get your cell phone out and just take a picture of random kids running around and make it look like you had him with you. And Melanie actually makes like, are you a kidding look? She says, I was thinking to myself, nah, I don't make stuff up like that. Mm -mm, I don't do that. I was really, really in a shock in that moment. I really did not know what to say. And Nate says, well, did she say anything else other than movies and taking pictures? And Melly says, at one point we talked about her going on a trip with Chad's kids to California. Aha. She might have mentioned that or she said that when I was driving to Arizona, taking a family vacation and just go with his kids. Yeah, AKA just get out of Dodge. Then she says, I often think about when Jesus Christ was on the earth, he healed people, he cast out evil spirits, he did not kill people, and if they did have an unclean spirit, he was able to get rid of it, and those people were okay afterwards. There was no pattern of this behavior. He was always sharing where they were inclusive and hiding. 
He was always sharing where they were inclusive and hiding. That does not walk on a path that is light, so darkness is always done in secretive. And I came to understand that. It's been very hush-hush, and that's not how God works. She goes on to say, the mysteries of God, which they were always trying to unfold, even Melanie Pulowski mentioned about how they sat and were talking about the mysteries of God. She did say that in a previous interview. She says, Melanie goes on to say, it's about bringing people to Jesus Christ. They were not bringing that. That was not what was happening. It was taking people away from him. It led to people dying. God does not work in darkness. You don't have to be running and hiding when you are transparent and doing the right thing. When you are telling the truth, you have nothing to worry about. And in part one, she talked about how she's there. She wanted to speak the truth. She goes on to say, one of the feelings I did want to share is that there are many people other than Chad that believe these teachings of many lives and multiple probations within our own church. And I want you to decide, does having this information make you a better person? Does it make you loyal to your spouse? Does it make you feel like you're better than other people? Because of this information, if this idea of multiple probations had not been introduced, nobody would have ever died. And she completely has a look of disgust on her face, in my opinion. She says, this is dangerous doctrine because this is not how he works. He works in a pattern. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't make exceptions to the rule. And we want things, we do things that aren't always the best. All of us do on this planet. And she says, I just got to experience something at a very different level, a secret combination unfold in front of me. I didn't see people die or anything like that, but I saw the workings of it. She goes on to say how she talked to the police and this was before anybody or the public knew about it, that she went to them in December and she didn't get her information anywhere else. This was her going to the police and basically telling them everything, even though it was uncomfortable. Now she does go on to say how she loves Chad. She says, I love him too and I know his family loves him, but I knew about these things before the news released it and it's documented. She says, I'm only here to share the truth because of those who passed away and that justice needs to be served. My hope is that they will look into their hearts and start to repent of the things and confess the things they did, but it's hard to do that. And she says, if you're Lori, think about this. And my heart breaks for her. She's got to admit that these people are dead. And it was because of their teachings and their ideas that they had these things happen. It's hard to admit that you would have to admit that you actually had something to do with the death of your family. She goes on to say, so it would be hard to say my belief systems are false because then she would have to say, yeah, this happened. I do feel sorrow for everybody involved, both sides, because everyone is hurting from this. She's in the jail now. She doesn't get to be with Chad now, who she loves. That's what she wanted so badly, and now she can't even be with him. It was a fatal attraction that led to their separation and people passing away. It's a tragic, tragic story. And that ended part two. But I think for many, many people, this part of the video was really tough as a watcher. Because when we hear that Melanie still loves Chad and Lori and she talks about how tragic it is for Lori who's sitting in jail and not being able to be with Chad. Melanie also talks about how she really doesn't hate anyone and she says just not who she is. But with her coming forward it does seem like Melanie is coming from a place of love and she wants justice for those who have died. 
So I think Melanie shows compassion for everybody involved um, and doesn't put judgment. There's a little bit of judgment we can see, um, but she's trying to come from a place of love, which is not an easy thing to do. And she feels for each person in a way that love would, in my opinion. But at the same time, she has stepped forward. And even though she loved Lori, she said it's not right what they're doing. She wants justice and she's not going to lie for them. Let me know what your thoughts are about all this part two and part one if you want. Part three is coming from me tomorrow. You can check out Nate's original interviews. I will put the description below. There's more and more information coming to light and I believe that this all could possibly lead us to where the children are, even if they're no longer on this earth, which is sounding unfortunately like that's what the case is. So I'm really sorry, Ty Lee and JJ, that you don't get a life on this earth if that's what the case is and I feel for Colby because his entire family is wiped out and for Kay and Larry if this is true that the kids are no longer here and if it is then justice must and will be served and there should be in my opinion more than one person sitting in jail without a portal. So you can check out my whole playlist on the case. I will put it right there for you. And there's a lot of them. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Like this to support this video and please share this out where you can. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.